Good evening. Tonight we're going to be talking about prayer, and uh, we're talking about the prayer parables. And so let's just pray. Heavenly Father, we just come tonight, and I pray that you would just help us to learn. You've given us your word to walk in grace, walk in truth. And I just ask that you would just help us tonight to learn about prayer things that we should do, things that we shouldn't do. And Father, as Jesus walked this earth and prayed, help us to be people of prayer, to understand that it's our communication with you. It's having that relationship. And Father, we give you all praise and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Luke chapter 18, if you want to turn there, uh, this, uh, these parables are right on the heels and of um, uh, Luke chapter 17, and Luke chapter 17 talks about the end times a little bit. Um, Jesus talks about his return, and people will predict the time. They will see, say Jesus is here and Jesus is there, and he tells them to be careful about those things, um, you know. And we see some of those things happening, you know, today. You can also go over into Matthew, Matthew and, and find, you know, certain things happening. And um, do you believe that the end times are getting close? Yeah. Um, and some, some days think that it's closer than others with, you know, what's going on. But other times I think, wow, we're, we're so far off. Uh, and there's a couple of scriptures here in 17 that I want us to look at. Uh, verses 26 and 27 of uh, 17. It says, And just as it happened in the days of Noah, so it shall be also in the days of the Son of Man, that they were eating and drinking and they were marrying and they were giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. And, and people were just, they were living for self. And we can see a lot of that, that happening people living for self today. Uh, but it was a time when, you know, God repented um, that he had made man, and so he decided to send the flood to uh, destroy all the people. And that, for me, that's kind of a hard decision. I think about that, um, that time when for a hundred years Noah's building this ark, and Noah's seeing all these things, and Noah had help, and all these people that were there that were going to be destroyed by the flood uh, but he says, this is the way it's going to be in the end times. Then if you go down to verses 28 through 30, another story. And it's just the same on the day that the Son of Man is revealed. On that day, let no one who is on the housetop, who, whose goods are in the house, go down and take them away. And likewise, let not the one who is in the field to turn. Remember Lot's wife. Remember Lot's wife. I'm sorry, I skipped over a verse, verse 28. And it was in the same as it happened in the days of Lot. They were eating, they were drinking, they were buying, and they were selling, and they were planting, and they were building, and then goes into that. So he uses two illustrations, one of Noah and then one of Lot. <clears throat> and uh, those days are, are, are happening again. And you can see the things that are changing in our society and um, how things are really starting to get faster and faster. Um, you know, just looking at my life and uh, what has taken place. And, you know, it used to be things changed so slowly, but now 
I mean, I tell my kids, listen, when I wanted to go and play with my friends, I had to walk down the street, I had to go down their driveway, onto the sidewalk, up to the front door, and, hey, can Jimmy come out and play? They don't do that anymore. They get on their phone, hey, can Jimmy come out and play? Man. Yes, times, they'd be a-changing. Uh, people went uh, about their daily life. They didn't care until the destruction came, and destruction, you know, destroyed all that were there. Uh, and these verses are a warning for us as Christians that the end is coming. The end is coming. And we must be ready for that. Got to be prepared, you know. And the thing is, is you have heard that, and uh, so it shouldn't catch you off guard. The Son of Man is going to come back. There's going to be a trump of the archangel, trumpet call of the archangel, and um, God will come back. Split the clouds, and he'll come back, and we're going to be taken away. Are you looking forward to that day? Yes. Yes. <clears throat> you don't have to pay any more bills. Mm, thank you, Jesus. Don't have to cut any more grass. Oh, hallelujah. <clears throat> No more hurricanes, no more floods, no, no, no more anything. So we must be steady in our walk with God. We don't know when the Lord will come back, but he's going to come back one of these days. And, and how is your relationship with God? How is your relationship with God? These prayer parables that we're going to talk about tonight will help us to get ready. In these parables, we'll see how to pray and how not to pray. There's some things that we need to learn on how not to pray. And there are many things that are discussed, and, and you can talk to a lot of people about prayer, and some believe that you have to be in a certain position, you have to be on your face or kneel. No, I don't think that there is anything about the position. Uh, you can walk, you can kneel, you can sit. Um, I was just up at the hospital this afternoon, and I was telling somebody, I said, you're in a good position. You are on your back looking where? Up there, you go. Know. So talk to the man that you're looking at. And uh, so talk to God. We believe that you can talk to God wherever you are, wherever you go, and in many different ways. And, and as I tell people, I talk to God just like I'm talking to you right now. Why should we change the way that we talk to God? You know, even though he is the almighty God, he knows me. He knows me. I really learned about that when uh, in Columbia, Missouri, when we were going through some things over there. God started speaking to me in the shower. I don't know why. You know, and the first time I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> the one who created me. <laughs> I'm like, you can't wait until I get out. Thank you very much. But yeah, it's like God was speaking to me in the shower for in about a week or so. And, and uh, it's like, okay. And I was uncomfortable with that, but got really comfortable. Yes. I had to, I guess, it was, you know. So we believe that you can talk to God anytime. But what's our attitude in prayer? Our faith in God? Our understanding of God's will? It's interesting that we talk about it so much, but how much of it do we do? We talk about prayer a lot, but how much of it do we do? We say so many times, I'll pray for you. And do you? I'm, I'll be honest, I've been guilty of that. 
see somebody and, and say, you know, I'll pray for you. Tell me I've got this need and, you know, I'll pray for you and then I forget about it. So I know I'm probably the only one in here who's ever done that. I did have Terry Rowe. She came to me Sunday and she goes, hey, will you pray for me Tuesday? And uh, because uh, they were going to be traveling today or yesterday. And, uh, and I said, okay. So yesterday morning, got out my phone, text her because I don't know where she lives, to go down her street. And, you know, some of you will get that later. Um, and so I text her, I said, praying for you today, which helped to remind me to pray for her yesterday, which I did throughout the day. She just needed some prayer. So, um, so let me get a little personal. What is your prayer life like? Prayer takes work, takes time, takes effort but it's probably one of the most rewarding things that you can do is just communicate with God, communicate with God. And he wants us to talk with him, to understand that we understand him. He already understands us. But it, it's, it's kind of like, you know, my mom, she lives up in Chicago, and I try and talk to her every day. And, um, you know, if I miss a day, then she'll give me a call because she wants to talk to me. She wants to know what's going on even if it's the same conversation that we had before, the day before, because nothing is new. But she still wants to talk to me and still wants to hear from me. So let's look at these parables here. Um, and the thing is, is that God, God has given us chapter 17, I think, to help us with chapter 18. And these parables are now relating to what has taken place in chapter 17 that we would pray and we would seek God's face because the Lord is coming back again. So chapter 18, verses 1 through 8, the parable of the persistent widow. It says, Now he was telling them a parable to show at the times that they ought to pray and not to lose heart, saying, There was a certain city, a judge, who did not fear God and did not respect man. And there was a widow in that city. And she kept coming to him and saying, Give me legal protection from my opponent. For a while he was unwilling, but afterwards he said to himself, Even though I do not fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow bothers me, I will give her legal protection, lest by continuing coming she wears me out. And the Lord said, Here is the unrighteous judge. Here is um, here what the unrighteous judge said. Now shall not God bring his justice for his elect who cry to him day and night and will not and will he delay long over them? I tell you that he will bring about justice for them speedily. However, when the Son of Man comes, chapter 17, will he find faith on the earth? Will he find faith on the earth? So in this scripture, um, number one, prayer is a discipline. One of the words that I think that every Christian needs to have in their vocabulary is discipline. Just talking to somebody before we came in here tonight about fasting, and I said that. I said fasting is a discipline. Prayer is a discipline. Worship is a discipline. Walking with God is a discipline. And we must be disciplined people to have this relationship with God so that we know who He is. And if you're disciplined in your prayer, you know, that you find a place sometime during the day and uh, you pray and you seek Him. It doesn't matter, you know, it doesn't matter if you do it in the morning or night. It's just that you do it, that you find that discipline. 
You know, for me, I'm a morning person. So I get up, first thing I do, that's my prayer time. My wife, not so morning. She's a night person. You know, so she reads her Bible at night. I read mine in the morning. I spend my time with God in the morning, and I generally get it done before they get up, and uh, that's the way that I want it. And that's the way that, you know, I like it. For me to do that at night, man, I'd fall asleep on God. God, we thank you for it. That's it. I'm not disciplined at night to do that. So you just need to find a time. When is it good for you to pray? And spend some time seeking God's face. There was a great movie, if you've never seen it, it's called The War Room, um, which is a great movie about prayer. And uh, the little old lady, lover to death, who, you know, had a prayer room that she went into, and uh, she just warred against the, the enemy and really had the peace of God in her life. And so find that discipline because there's sometimes, again, I'll confess, there's sometimes it's just, I don't want to pray. We have other things that we could be doing. Our mind can be on the day's activities or whatever it happens to be. I can be consumed with that and think, oh, I really don't have time to pray. But I still need to do it. It was one of the great uh, evangelists of years past who was asked, he said, you know, if you, if you have to get up early, so does that cut into your prayer time? If you have a full day of activities and now you have to get up early, because he was one who got up in the morning and he prays, he said, no, I have to get up even earlier and spend even more time in prayer because my day is even longer. Did you get that? The longer the day, the more you need to spend in prayer and ask God to help you through that day. Verse 1, we are to pray and never to give up. And that's in this parable, to pray through, to push, pray until something happens. Push, we've all heard these things. Prayer is work, and you've got to build up those spiritual muscles. I don't know about you, but I struggle in prayer from time to time, struggle to pray, and it, it just doesn't always come easy. It doesn't. Now, when I was down in Florida spending, uh, you know, a week vacation, prayer was really easy. I'd get up in the morning and I'd walk the beach. <laughs> I don't see any beaches around Springfield. It's a struggle from time to time. It really is. Bring me to a beach. I'll pray all day long. As long as it doesn't get above 80 degrees. Not asking too much, am I? This parable is not about that point but it, it's about learning how to pray and learning to push in, learning to continue to pray, learning that whenever you're struggling, learning that whatever it is, that we have to go to him and go to him and go to him all the time. It's really a privilege to pray and talk to the God about what's going on in your life, what you need. But it's also our duty to talk to God and keep our relationship going. If you're married and you didn't talk to your spouse for a week, what would your relationship be like? It'd be a real strain, wouldn't it? Yeah. And we need to talk to God. He wants us to talk to God. 
And like I said, I don't know when your time is. That's for you to figure out, but it should be prayer every day. And also we find that it should be throughout the day. 1 Thessalonians 5.17 says, pray without ceasing. So throughout the day, if you're driving, you know, then pray. You know, if you're working out in the yard, pray. If you're painting a house, if you're, you know, whatever it happens, cooking. Now, I'm not saying that you should be, you know, praying 24-7, okay? Because we have things that we do and everything. But if there's something that comes to mind, then, yeah, pray about it. Take a few minutes and pray about it. And just ask God to help you, to lead you. Pray without ceasing. Some might ask, so when do we stop praying? Well, according to that scripture, we don't. Why would you want to, why would you not want to talk to God about the things that are going on? What you're going through, the struggles of life, something that comes to mind, also a joy that you are experiencing, some kind of blessing that you have just received. We need to tell God those types of things also. It shouldn't just be that we go to God and we say, God, I want this, I want that, I want no, no, no. God is not Santa Claus. Okay? He's not the Easter Bunny. He's the one that's created us, and he wants to know a part of our life. Yes, we should go to him and ask him for things. But we should also give him praise, and we should also worship him. But also tell him our joys. God, I thank you for the blessing that you gave to me through this or whatever it happens to be. You know? We should have those types. You know, I'm thankful that... God, you have taken care of my kids and that they worship you and, and they love you and have that relationship. So, but yeah, our good times and our bad times. In verse 2, we see that there was a judge. There was a judge. What does a judge do? But he listens to both sides and he makes a decision. That's what a judge does. He makes judgment. According to the law, and if it's needed... Um, to what he feels is fair. And you can turn on the news any day and you can see decisions that are being made all the time by judges. You know, if you've ever stood before a judge, he'll make a right decision, hopefully. If you can see when the, the, um, the, the babies were brought before Moses, make a decision. The baby was brought before Moses. Whose mother is it? Make a decision. Yes. They are to be versed on what is right and what is wrong. They should know what is right and what is wrong. And then they make a decision accordingly. And they should be doing that and taking their opinion out of it. That's what a judge does. Does it according to law. He didn't give, uh, he didn't give compassion um, to judges sometimes because they have to do what is right and what's wrong and like I said, leave their opinion out of it. Isn't that what a judge is to do? To help people to know what the law is, to know what the law is. And if he didn't know the law, then he was in, in trouble and trying to figure this out and what was supposed to be right and what's wrong. It's interesting though, in this, and then you can see this in this scripture, in chapter 2, it says, There was a certain city and a judge who did not fear God. This man didn't fear God. And he also didn't care for people. <laughs> Isn't he a lovely soul? Yes. And he didn't respect man. 
And that's okay. There's lots of judges that we have in our country who do not fear God. And I'm not saying that they're good or bad. It's just that those that fear God are also going to judge according to the law of God. And this is the thing about God's law. We should obey man's law, okay? That means if the speed limit is 55, you should do at least 60. And <laughs> no, <clears throat> no, you should do 55. I was going to ask how many go above 55. No. <laughs> That's what the law says. And if you get caught, you know, you deserve to pay the punishment because that's what the law is. And you can't say, but God told me to go 65 miles an hour because God won't do that. So we should follow man's law until it goes against God's, God's law. So in our land... Abortion is legal. God's law says no. So, I follow God's law. Not that God says it's illegal. He just doesn't like it, and he doesn't want it to happen. So I'm going to follow God's law in that case. And we need to understand that, and that just comes to understanding what the law is and also what God's law <clears throat> excuse me, is. So he was a man who didn't fear God. And hopefully you fear God and understand that God was the one who's created us and God is the one who sustains us each and every day. And it's God who will allow us at the end of our life to pass. But he also didn't respect man. He didn't respect. He really didn't care for people. Like I said, he was probably a lovely guy to be around, you know. Didn't like people, didn't love God. And so he was a judge. The second person in this, there was a widow, and there was no husband to stand up for her. She was probably by herself, and if you know the Scriptures, you can find out that a widow is supposed to have her family take care of her. But in this case, she's kind of doing things by herself, so I think that, I'm kind of reading into the story, that she didn't have children, even though it doesn't say that, whether she did or she didn't, but she was doing this on her own, and she's wanting justice. And she was a widow, so there was nobody to stand up for her, and uh, she was by herself. She was bold, though, and that's one of the things that we need to be, is bold when, we come, when we're coming to our prayers. In Hebrews chapter 4, 14 through 16, it says, Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. That we should come boldly unto God. I've had people ask me, is it okay if I pray to God for and I would say yes. I mean, unless they're asking for something that's just ungodly or something that's, you know, crazy, you know. Um, but yeah, we should come unto him. If there's something that you're going through, if there's a need that you have, do you think the people out in North and South Carolina recently were praying people? Yes. 
I think they boldly came unto God and said, God, help us, help us, help us in this time of need when that hurricane was going through. And we need to understand that we are to be bold. She asked the judge, give me justice in this dispute with my enemy. And she kept asking. It doesn't say if she came every day, but she kept coming and coming and coming unto the judge. Remember, the devil is our enemy, and if you want, if you're praying about the things, the devil is going to come against you. And remember, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of darkness, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Always remember who the enemy is. So we don't pray against other people. That's the way sometimes we feel like praying. God, if you will just take care of them, they are really irritating me. Ever pray that way? Some of you are shaking your head. Yeah. And you're thinking of that person right now. God, if they weren't here, if you would just... And I'd be a happier person. No, we're not supposed to pray that way. We're supposed to ask God to help us through that situation. There's negative ways to pray and there's positive ways to pray. And I was talking with somebody about that today, that we are to pray positively, you know, and not in a negative. Because sometimes God has put those people in our life for a reason. But God, give me strength to be able to go to work to deal with whoever it is that happens to be there. So was she wrong in being persistent? Absolutely not. It doesn't say that she came every day, but I'm sure that she did wear the judge out. And there are some that believe that we should pray one time. Let me just stop for a second. There are some people who believe that you should only pray one time, and if you pray more than one time, then you lack faith. Well, let me give you a couple examples. Daniel, he prayed for 21 days. And then the angel came. Same thing he was praying. And it was for the deliverance of Israel. And he had, you know, he knew that this was coming, and so he prayed for 21 days, and the angel came. When Peter was in prison, they had a prayer meeting that night, and they were continually praying that Peter would be delivered out of it. They could have gotten together, okay, let's take five minutes, let's pray for Peter. Oh, God, get him out of prison. See you guys tomorrow. No, they spent all night in perseverance, in praying, in seeking the face of God until Peter was delivered and he came to the house. <clears throat> How about Jesus? Three times he prays in the garden that he was going to be able to go through what he was about ready to step into. I'm not going to stop praying for my sister, and you've heard me talk about her before. I've prayed for her for many years that she would come to know Jesus Christ and her family. I do have faith, yes, without a doubt, but I'm still going to pray for her that she would come to know Jesus Christ. And, and my prayer for her is that God, because she lives up in Chicago, send somebody around her, to her, whatever it happens to be. I mean, we're three hours away. There's the positive part of praying. God, send somebody to her. Because I have witnessed to her and witnessed to her and witnessed to her and witnessed to her, and I'm going to continue to witness to her but I don't think it's necessarily going to be through me. But God sent somebody else who will witness. 
to her. And I'm going to continue to pray and pray and pray. So what is prayer? It's me going to the Almighty God and trying to understand or bring a need to Him or ask Him to move in some way. It is talking to, about God, what is going on in my life. And the thing is, don't you think God already knows what's going on in your life? He knows how many hairs are on top of your head. He knows and He sees when a little sparrow falls. So how much more does He care for us? And He knows what's going on in our life. But He wants us to come unto Him and talk unto Him. Prayer is also lining ourselves up with the will of God. And this is a hard one. A number of years ago, I finally came to this realization, and this quite a few years ago, that when we pray, because I could be praying, I'll take an example. I, let's say I, I need a new car, and uh, if anyone wants to bless me, that's good. Uh, so I could be praying for a car, and I say, oh, God, I want one of those Cadillac CTSs 19, or 2019 with all the bells and whistles. Woo! Anybody feeling that tonight? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Yes. Pastor Jim, the two pastors. Yes. If you've got two of them in your garage, give them up. Wow. And God, I don't care what color it is as long as you give me that car. You know, I could, I could be praying, God, I really want a Cadillac CTS 2019 with all the bells and whistles. And be persistent about that. But what's God's will? Listen, if I had one of those Cadillac CTSs, you wouldn't find me at home. I'd be out in my car all the time. And you know how expensive those things are? You know what the insurance is on those? I don't know. I haven't looked it up. Afraid to. You know, it, to get an oil change in one of those things, the tires are more expensive than my 07 Sebring. You know, all these different things. And God could say, listen, you're going to get a little focus. You know, not physically, but a little Ford focus or whatever they call it. You know. But God, I want a, I want a Cadillac. We need to pray God's will. What is God's will? And this is where prayer now changes us. Because prayer isn't for us to move God. Prayer is for us to line up with the will of God. So yes, God would say, you need a new car. But you don't need a Cadillac. And you need this other little car that's just going to get you from point A to point B. And, but I could still, and I could still pray, pray God, you know, and there's a Ford Focus in the newspaper. Wow, you know. And I'm still praying, give me a Cadillac, give me a Cadillac, give me a Cadillac. And then the thing is, is, you know, sometimes God gives you what you ask for, even though he's tried to tell you you don't need it. I've seen this happen with people. Then I get the Cadillac, and then I go get my first oil change, and it's $100. Oh! But I still look good in this Cadillac. I'm worth a $100 oil change, you know? And then it breaks down, and it costs me $3,000 where the little forward focus would have been $30. God doesn't say, I told you so. It's up to us. But sometimes whenever we pray, and this is an important point, whenever we pray about things, 
We need to line up with the will of God and ask, God, what is your will in this matter? When, when Kim and I were leaving Columbia, uh, Illinois, and we were seeking God on where we would go, you know, we told God our preference. We wanted to stay in the Midwest somewhere. And um, we liked, we, we were down near St. Louis, and we liked that area. We said we kind of wanted to stay around here. But, and so we, we had an interview up in Chicago, had one in Carlinville, a um, couple other places. And uh, so we were kind of looking here. This is where we kind of wanted to stay. But we said, God, wherever you want to send us. Didn't know we, he'd send us back to Springfield. I really, Springfield was not on our radar at all. We didn't think anything about Springfield until we got the phone call from Pastor Mark and said, hey, are you interested? And, and said, yes, and we checked it out. And then we prayed through the will of that. God, is this your will? When we interviewed up in Chicago, up in uh, Hanover Park, we'd gone through an interview, and then a, a few months later, we'd gone back up for another interview. And... Uh, We'd gotten in the, in the van to come home, or whatever we had at that time, and um, it, we weren't 10 minutes down the road. I'll never forget this. And Kim and I looked at each other, and we both said at the same time, this is not God's will for us. That church was, we knew. We knew at that point it wasn't God's will for us to go to that church. So God, help us. What is your will? What is your will? What is your will? So whenever you're praying, you need to line yourself up with God's will. We see the disciples asking Jesus, teach us to pray, which leads us to the Lord's Prayer in Matthew. When you pray, you are not to be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and on the street corners so that they may be seen by men. Truly I say to you that they have their reward in full. But you, when you pray, go into your inner room, close your door, and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will, re will reward you. And when you are praying, do not use meaningless repetition as the Gentiles do. For they suppose that they will be heard for their many words. So do not be like them. For your Father knows what you need before you ask. There's God's will. He knows what you need before you even ask Him. Pray. Then, in this way, our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive those who have... For I'm sorry. And forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into tempta temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. A great example of how to pray. The point is to be persistent. Be persistent in what you need. She kept coming and coming until the judge got tired of it, and she had the right to do what she did by coming unto him all these times. She was asking and asking. I don't think God ever gets tired of us asking. He wants to hear from us. He wants us to be there. I don't think it ever drives God crazy. He says, I am tired of that one. No, I don't think so. As long as we're continuing in this relationship that we are trying to be more Christ-like each day, we will find out what He is wanting us to do, as it said in that Scripture. In the Greek, it means persistence, striking the eye or 
like you were giving him a black eye. It's a continual poking. That's what she was doing. She was continually going and going and going. That's what that persistent means. God wants us to continually come unto him. So the lessons learned, God is a just God. He'll take care of us and our needs. When the Lord returns, how many will he find on the earth who have faith? And you know it takes faith to pray. It takes faith to pray. Our second parable tonight is the parable of Pharisee and the tax collector in Luke chapter 18, verses 9 through 14. And he also told the parable to some people who trusted in themselves, that they were righteous and viewed others with contempt. Two men, here's the parable now, two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee, the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and was praying this to himself, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, swindlers, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I pay tithes on all that I get. But the tax collector standing some distance away was even unwilling to lift his eyes to heaven, but was beating his breast and saying, God, be merciful to me, the sinner. I tell you that this man went to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but he who humbles himself will be exalted. So there's two, par- two people in this parable that Jesus talks about. One is the Pharisee. And he was a member of the Jewish religion. So one that was looked at in a good light. It'd be like somebody within our own church. One of our own members. And the second one was a tax collector. There was a tax collector. A person that was despised because of his job. Don't you just love April 15th? Yes. Oh, it's a great day to celebrate in America. When your taxes are due, the tax man cometh. Oh, when we give our money to Uncle Sam to spend unwisely, right? Ah, We hate to pay taxes. Maybe you don't. Maybe you love to. You can move to Alaska, and there's a couple of places where you don't have to pay taxes on your state. In fact, they even pay you to live in Alaska. But you got to live in Alaska. <laughs> yes. How much do we look forward to giving away? This man was despised. And that's what he did. He walked around from house to house and he collected the taxes that were due to him or due to, to the king. So this is a person that was not well liked as compared to the Pharisee, one of our own. And we can see things that are being played out in today's society. David was not thought to be a king with a lot of material, but his family, and he had the right heart. David wanted to serve God. And in serving God, in serving God, he did what was right. And the people loved him, even though he was the king. Even though he was the king. Let me share with you about a guy that I knew in Bible college. And he wasn't, the thing was, is that sometimes people will surprise you. 
This man was, uh, he was crippled in his legs and in his arms and in his hand. And he really, he walked with his knees. His knees were always bent all the time. And he really struggled to walk. And you could see his shoes were, certain parts of his shoes were worn out all the time. His name was Gene. I called him Gene, Gene, Gene the praying machine. Because he was one of the most godly guys that I knew in college. He knew how to touch God. He knew how to touch God. And he would go unto God, and, and God blessed him. We used to do this thing that was called telephone evangelism. <clears throat> and basically, and I was in charge of it, and um, we'd have people who would come over, about students, about 60 students and 60 and, and people from the church, and we would just call people in Baton Rouge and we would witness to them on the phone, telephone evangelism. And one day, Gene, Gene was one of those, and he was making phone calls this night, and all of a sudden, Gene is up on his chair that swivels, I thought, Gene's going to fall on his head. And it's and he's, whoa, 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 just going on. And so I run over to Gene. There's 60 other people there making phone calls. Gene, you need to be quiet. I said, what's going on? He goes, this person that I, I'm talking to just received the baptism of the Holy Spirit over the phone. I said, what? Can that really happen? You know, that's first thoughts that, you know, came to my mind. That was Gene. You know, you can pray a sinner's prayer with somebody over the phone, but he prayed that somebody would receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and they did over the phone. God can do anything if you ask. Gene was a man who would go to God, and he would pray. So we see these two people are praying. One who we would think, oh, godly person, and he's praying, and the other one we despise that are in this prayer meeting. The judge coming in, I'm sorry, the Pharisee coming in, and he's saying these things. And we read in 1 Samuel chapter 16. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look at his appearance or at the height of his stature, because I, because I have rejected him. For God sees not as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. We have these two one that was supposed to be righteous and everything else, and we have this one that was despised. But God says, no, 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 wait a second here. In Luke chapter 6, verse 45, the good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth what is good, and the evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth what is evil. For his mouth speaks from that which fills his heart. His mouth speaks what is in his heart. We can't be fooled by the outward appearance or what we see because we need to look at what's on the inside. And we can see these two. We see the Pharisee and the tax collector. This, but this parable is about our attitudes. How do we enter into our time of prayer? As one, we feel that we're owed something, that God owes me something, or humble and understanding that I am not owed anything other than death and punishment for the sins that I have committed. What Jesus did for us and the power on the cross in our lives, God has given unto us freely. We deserve torment of hell where the worm dies not, where there's wailing and gnashing of teeth, eternal separation from God.
but God. But God. We deserve to go through the sufferings of Christ to be afflicted because of our sinful ways. In Luke chapter 14, verse 7, begins, And he began speaking a parable, and he invited guests. When he noticed how they had been picking out the places of honor at the table, saying to them, When you are invited by someone to the wedding feast, do not take the place of honor, for someone more distinguished than you may be may have been invited by him. And he who invited you both will come to say to you, Give your place to this man. And then, in disgrace, you proceed to occupy the last place. But when you are invited, go and recline at the last place, so that when the one who has invited you comes, he may say to you, Friend, move up higher. Then you will have honor in the sight of all who are at the table with you. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. The Pharisee exalted himself, didn't he? He said, oh, I fast twice a week. I give tithe. I do this. I do that. And I am glad that I am not like that man over there. And then you have the tax collector who says, God, I'm a sinner. I'm a sinner. The Pharisee's prayer, look at this. It says, and he stood by himself. That's what the Scripture said. He was standing to, to be seen. He went to the place of honor. The place of honor. It means that he was making a stand. It says when he stood by himself, that word means that he was making a stand. Proclamation of look at me. He wanted to be seen. His prayer was one of pride not out of talking to God about something or worshiping or even, you know, coming into God with his needs. It was all about him. It was about himself, that he was better than a tax collector. I don't cheat, I don't sin, I don't commit adultery, is what he said. I, 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 I. But the tax collector did these things. He goes on and he says he fasts and he tithes. In Proverbs 16, 18, a scripture we know very well, pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a stumbling. He was selfish in his prayer to the Almighty God. Don't you think that God sees through all of that? Prayer is an intimate thing, and how do we enter into it? Just like the Old Testament, they had to do certain things. They had to put on the, the garments. They had to wash. They had to go in reverently. They had to prepare themselves, all those different things, not flippantly. He wanted to build himself up and put others down. The last scripture tells us, I tell you that this man went to the house justified rather than the other, talking, the, talking about the tax collector, went justified. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Be careful how you pray. We go to a holy, holy, holy God. Then the second one was the tax collector's prayer. He stood at a distance. In other words, he went to a humble place, and he prayed. He humbled himself. Not to be lifted up. He wasn't there for recognition. It wasn't to be seen by other people. He beats on his chest in sorrow. There was nothing prideful in any of his actions, but very submissive unto God. His prayer was one of humility. 
a prayer of humility. Oh God, be merciful. He understood that he deserved nothing. He deserved nothing. He says, I am a sinner. Hopefully that's in your prayers also. God, I don't deserve it. We're all sinners. Yes, saved by grace, but we're all sinners. Listen to what Paul says in Romans chapter 17. I'm sorry, 7 verse 14. We know that the law is spiritual, but I am unspiritual. Sold as a slave to sin, I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate to do. If I do what I do not want to do, I agree with the, that the law is good. As it is, it is no longer I. It is no longer I myself who do it. But it is the sin living in me. For I, for I know that good itself does not dwell in me. Sound like the tax collector? For I know that the good itself... I'm sorry, the good itself does not dwell in me. That is in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil that I do not want to do. This I keep on doing. Now if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is the sin living in me that does it. Paul was humble. One of the greatest men to ever walked this earth. Wrote a good portion of the New Testament. Probably one of the most godly men at that time. But what does Paul say? He goes, I am so bad. The things that I should be doing, I'm not doing. And the things that I shouldn't be doing, sin, I'm doing. Paul understood his place with God. And how wicked he really was. The tax collector was the same. The tax collector's place was humility in what God wanted for him. Jesus says that the tax collector would be justified. Justified means well-grounded. Well-grounded. Caused uh, cause one to be in white, right? I'll get it out. Cause one to be in what? <laughs> cause one to be in right relation to be at the right place that's what that means justified there's two ways to pray according to this parable prideful that you deserve something or humble understanding that you deserve nothing and that you even owe that you even owe God wants us to talk to him and have a relationship with him. And prayer is so important in your relationship. Hopefully these parables, go back and read them a couple of times. The overview, prayer is a discipline. Hopefully it's in your life. It's not easy. Hopefully you have a time where you sneak away or, you know, you do it. For me, like I said, I enjoy the early mornings, get up before my family does, and I spend time with God. I love to walk and pray. Love to walk and pray. Number two, we need to know the will of God. What is the will of God for your life? When you're praying for something, what is the will of God? Be persistent in prayer. God wants us to continue to come unto him. And there's sometimes that God wants us to continue to come and come and come and come and come. 
And the same thing with me praying for a car. I can continue to pray for a car and say, God, okay, how about a Buick? You know, okay, God's not giving me that. Abraham, when he prayed for Lot, what did he pray? God, if there's 50 righteous, will you spare them? Okay, God, 45, will you spare them? God, 40, will you spare them? 30, will you spare them? 20, will you spare them? 10, will you spare them? What was he trying to do? He was trying to find the will of God. That's what he was doing. We need to find the will of God. Be persistent. Continue going on. Check your heart and your attitude. Check your heart and your attitude. And how are you praying? And lastly, understand your position. Are you standing in a prideful place? Or are you standing in a humble place? Yeah, I hope there's times, I'll be honest with you, there's times I know that I am prideful in, in the things that I do. And I hate it. I really do. Afterwards, I hate it. I don't want, I'm not, hopefully you see tonight, I'm not patting myself on the back. I do, I love to pray and I love to spend time with God and wish that I, you know, wish that I would spend more time praying and seeking His face to be more holy, to be more like God. And it only comes when I line myself up with God. And in these two parables, we can see some great things to do and some things not to do. Amen? I'm going to ask you, let's stand and let's come down around the altar as we have the last number of weeks. Some of you have heard this story as you're coming. <clears throat> when I was in Bible college, I didn't have much money. My roommate had less money. And for us really to buy a five, we, we, we'd see pizzas going down the hallway all the time. It only cost $5 to buy a large pizza, but my roommate and I, we, didn't, we couldn't put enough money to buy a pizza together. We were, that's how poor we were. We just didn't have the money. And there was one time when God spoke to me, and uh, I, was, I, I, I prayed, and I said, God, Christmas is coming, and I need some money for Christmas to get home, because I was down in Baton Rouge, and um, to buy Christmas gifts. And uh, so I prayed about it. I said, God, I need money for Christmas. And it, you know, kind of went on about that. And God spoke to me, and he said, okay, I want you to give $25 to your roommate. Well, I have to tell you that my roommate had gotten engaged and his fiancé's name was Joy. So all I heard was joy, 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 I had no joy over joy, I can tell you. And I loved my roommate, I really did, and I still do, he's a great guy. And I'm like, what? God, you know I'm struggling with Mark right now because of joy, 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 joy. He said, give him $25. I had $50 to my name. That's all I had, $50. So I, I went and, and, uh, and prayed, you know, some more. And that day I couldn't give Mark $25. So the next day I'm praying. And uh, the room next to us, he was a floor leader, and the next room next to us was empty. So either he or I would go over and pray in that room, and, and I'd have a key. Sometimes I'd go over and pray. And I, so the next day I go over and I pray and I said, God, I need some more money. And, and he said, give Mark $25. And I said, I, you know, I struggled. So I stopped praying about that, you know, that day. <laughs> the next, next day I go in and I pray and I said, God, I need some money. 
And uh, he said, give Mark $25. So right then I got up and, and I had $25 in my pocket. I walked back into our room. I put it on his, his um, desk and then I walked out because I had to go pray again. <laughs> and I had to find some sanctification in that. I really did. And so I went back and I prayed for about another half an hour, another 40 minutes. And I came back in and on his desk was $25. I put the $25 back in my pocket. I'm trying to pray through here. So the next day I'm praying and I said, God, I need, I need some money. And he said, give Mark $25. So the reason why I told you about the pizzas, pizzas were $5. So I said, God, how about if I give him five pizzas? And God said, no. I said, how about four pizzas and $5? Now, I'm really not making this up. This is really the conversation that I'm having with God. And he said, no. I said, three pizzas and $10. He said, no. I said, two pizzas and $15. He said, no. I said, one pizza. And he said, $25. I said, okay. So I, I got that $25, and I went and I looked for Mark. And Mark was sitting out in front of the dormitories with joy. Thank you. It was in her car. And so I just I tapped on the window. And, I, and he rolled down the window, and I said, here, God told me to give you this. <laughs> I had to go pray again. Because <laughs> I was irritated at Mark. So I went and I prayed. And this time when I prayed, God said, okay, now I'm going to give you $250. It, it didn't come. The answer didn't come until I worked it out. And... So over Christmas, God blessed me. I, was, I, I uh, was able to get home. And while I was at home at Christmas, God gave me, through somebody, uh, $200. Gave me a check for $200. And I was, you know, I was very thankful for that. Give God all the praise for that. So when I got back to Bible college, um, there was an envelope from a friend who is the only time that I've ever received anything from them. They're still friends, uh, older couple in, in the church. And there was a little uh, piece of paper that's folded up, and it said, To God be the glory, and there was a check. And I, was, I opened it up. There was a friend of mine standing right there, and he saw me open it up, and I said, This is a check for $50. And I opened it up, and it was a check for $50. He goes, How did you know? I said, Well, it was a promise from God. Prayer is not easy. It's not easy. And I'm, I, that, that honestly did happen. It really did. I really did bargain with God. I tried, you know. But until we submit ourselves unto God, we have to pray. I could have just forgot the whole thing and probably wouldn't have gotten to $250. But I had to pray through. Prayer is work. Prayer is work. Amen. Anybody have anything real quick that God has blessed you? You want to share something about the message tonight? I'm not going to linger long. I could tell you story after story about praying. It's one of the greatest things. It should be one of the greatest joys in your life. Sean, here, hold on, Sean. Randy, will you hand that to him? Or... No, there you go. He's got that shirt on. What? Can you hear me? Um, I got a good friend that lives in Indiana. And we, um, we pray for each other, pray for our families. And um, I was just going through some stuff. I think it was earlier this week. And um, one morning, he's just like, I'm praying for you today. And I'm just like, I needed that. 
you know. So as the Spirit connects us and Spirit connects everybody, the Holy Spirit, you know, He'll put something in your spirit to pray for somebody at the right time, and you don't even know it. Yeah. And so just what you're talking about today really, it's sunk in with me today. Yeah. So, yep. yeah. Yeah, I've, I've prayed for people at times not knowing who they were or anything like that. Terry, you have some? Yeah. Real quick. Some of you are, hello. Some of yes. you have already heard this, but my, I was a mess. My sister had prayed for me 35 years and never quit, and I got saved. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Yes. That's persistent prayer right there, and he's proof of that. Yes. God wants us to come unto Him. The thing is, is I want to talk to Him now because later on when I'm with Him, yes, then I'll know Him. I'll know Him. Heavenly Father, I thank You for my friends. Father, I thank You that we can come unto You at all times. Father, at 3 o'clock in the morning. Father, at noon. Father, when we are struggling at our desk, at home, in our car. Our Father, when we have great joy, when we are celebrating, that we can bring you into those things. The thing is, is that you already know. <clears throat> but help us to know. Help us to know. And Father, as we see these four people, as we see these two parables, Father, help us to be people of prayer that others see that in us. Father, not to be prideful, but they would say, wow, they spend time with God. Help us to be like Moses, who spent time with you. Let us shine with your glory. And I pray that when things arise or when people ask us to pray, that we do. That we do. Father, I pray for our team that's over in Vietnam and, Father, halfway around the world, that you would just touch them. Father, give them, give them rest. Give them strength. Father, give them the power of the Holy Spirit to win souls and share the gospel and pray for people that they're healed and delivered and set free from bondage of this world. Father, bless them. Minister to them. Father, bring them back tired, but bring them back refreshed in the power of you. Father, go with us now as we leave. Help us to touch other lives for you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Go in peace. No, I love you. <laughs>